Welcome back, listeners, to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. As always, you're joined by your four hosts, Lawrence, Jack, DC, and of course, myself, DY. But recently, I've been getting a little bit fed up of being the smallest guy on the podcast. So for this episode, I've decided (laughs) to get on a very special guest. And that very special guest is Joey Cantlin. If you don't know Joey, you should. But if you really don't know Joey, I'm going to give him a quick minute to introduce himself. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on, boys. Um, secondly, um, I'm doubting whether or not I should have come on after that comment. <laughs> that was pretty rough, <laughs> but also fair. Um, yeah, so for those who don't know me, my name is Joey. Um, I've been doing contest prep for almost, I guess, 10 years, um, based out of Queensland. Um, yeah, there's, there's not much really else to say about me. I, I've, competed for, I've competed for a couple of years, back probably six or seven years ago. Um, in the fitness and physique divisions, um, have always sort of had a huge passion for bodybuilding ever since I got into the industry, which led me to starting to work with people who wanted to do it. And I guess we just kind of started there and snowballed on. Out of the two boys on this podcast that you coach, who has the most amount of lean muscle mass? <laughs> Ooh. Let's not take a branch to the one we're sitting on, ADY. All right, all right, all right. Well, we've had a couple of big weeks. Uh, There's going to be a couple of show wrap-ups that are going to come through this episode as well. But first off, I want to do a little bit of a bi-weekly catch-up. Well, I guess it's tri-weekly because we missed last week. Um, Lawrence went on a band camp pretty much, and I want to throw it over to him, and he can give you a little bit of a lowdown of what what that entailed and how his uh, week away went. Oh, well, I thought I'd just say as well, full transparency, Joey's also my biological dad. So if you sort of <laughs> catch any true. really strong connection between us over the call, that's why. Um, but no, all jokes aside, I was actually away at a, a church camp or like a youth camp for the last week. So it was up in an area of the sunny coast called Tawanton and it's called Gents Camp. So it's like, basically grades seven to tens they can come as campers it's all all guys all boys and it's basically just like a chance for them to have like a really awesome week so there's a lot of really cool like sort of games that you do within your groups or within your tribes um really like a ton of physical activity lots of sport free time where you can like play just games and sports with your mates and stuff like that and of course it being like a scripture union camp there's a bit of a you know, a, a Christian focus as well. So they get a chance to, you know, learn a little bit more about God and, and Jesus and the Bible and stuff like that. So obviously me, you know, being pretty into that stuff, it was a cool opportunity to, you know, serve the community and sort of help out some of these kids and, you know, answer some questions, chat to them, get to know them a little bit. Um, so it wasn't a very restful week, as you can probably tell my voice is a little bit hoarse. Um, it turns out a week of yelling at teenagers will do that. Um, and it was also like massive days, like probably 15 to 20,000 steps easily, um, every day. So we were pretty run ragged, um, sort of the leadership group, you know, up at six fifteen, getting into bed at like 1130 after a full day. Um, but I managed to, to hold body weight kind of, which was good. Um, I was probably like a, probably like 500 grams or so down, but I, I'm kind of just chalking that up to glycogen really um because it's kind of starting to to refill now after a few normal days of food so i was essentially just eating as much as i possibly could 
um, to offset the huge surge in physical activity and, and trying to get as much protein in as I could. But yeah, it was a good week. It was a lot of fun. And um, it's actually really funny because you're like the world that we live in, you know, we're always thinking about physiques and we're always like critiquing ourselves. Like, I don't think I've ever had a week where I've been told like that I'm jacked as much as I have in the, in the past week. So it's, it was a nice little boost for the ego. And it kind of like just reminds yourself like, you know, we're also critical of ourselves, but to the the lay public who don't know much better, like we, we still look pretty juicy in a singlet, which is always good to know. I'm sure that everyone would have been impressed by all the food you were putting down. Yeah, well, actually- Seconds and thirds. Yeah, I did a eating challenge as well. So we had a bit of a challenge to see who could eat the most boiled eggs. And I thought, this is an easy chance for me to smack down, you know, a good source of high HPV protein. And the catch though, was that the shell had to be on. Um, oh, no, that's, yeah, no, that's yeah, cool. yeah. Well, we got, we got five minutes and I managed to get six eggs down. I nearly threw the last one up, but it stayed down and um, I was crowned the calcium king. So yeah, pretty good. <laughs> what was the second closest high score? Well, no, it was just me one v one versus this probably like fifteen year old. So I had to, I had to beat him. Like there was no question. I think he got four. Yeah, you got, you got to put those young blokes in their place, mate. <laughs> you do, mate. You seriously do. So that sixth one, it was to kind of seal the deal for the win. So we just went like whole egg in the gob, wash it down with a bit of water. Job done. No Sorry, wonder your talks? voice is all raspy. You've been bloody swallowing yeah. eggshells, mate. Yeah, I know, up. I know. But Jack, I want to get your opinion on this as well. <laughs> So there's a kid there and he basically does like a, this, a similar sort of eating challenge every year, but it's bananas with the peel on. Mm. And he did eight in one go. What? It yeah, was that's... unbelievable. Yes. And I just was thinking, I was like, dude, like, how do you pull up the next day? Cause he's done it before. And he's like, no, it's like, it's fine. This is how I eat them at home anyway. Yeah. Uh, that would be a lot of resistant starch, I would guess. Mm, that's what I would have mm. thought yeah so especially if you're not masticating a lot like it's it's going to be chunks of banana peel coming out oh yeah jack it was a church camp mate so there's no masticating going on (laughs) (laughs) i don't know man what's happening at this yeah i don't know what's happening with this boys camp but we've got guys that are sucking down six eggs and then the other guys (laughs) putting down eight bananas in one sitting so i know i'd be very cautious sitting in those dorms yeah Yeah. Yeah, just standard church camp, really. Uh, nothing going on, man. Yeah. How'd you go with training? You not train at all? Not at all. No, it was it was kind of a planned thing. Like, um, sort of me and Joe had discussed this would be a good chance to have like the active rest for the year. Um, don't step foot in the gym, and it was actually really nice because we had next to no cell phone reception as well. So, aside from sending out like a bit of a "I'm alive" message to Gemma, like at the end of the night, I wasn't really on social media and it was just a really nice refresh and just kind of like forget about that world for a week and then kind of come back feeling really good. And I've had two sessions, which for this week was a plan deload just to kind of ease our way back into it. And um, it's worked out quite nicely because where powerhouse Southside was actually running a, a sale last week. So I decided to pull the trigger a bit early and sign up there so when I get into my new mesocycle next week, it'll be a, a nice, fresh environment as well, two days out of the week. So no, it's all, I think, worked out really nicely. I'm, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling encouraged and buoyed and, and ready to get after it. Yeah, I went over that powerhouse uh, Southside 
couple of days ago and i was like you know what i'm gonna go here just for that pendulum holy god that thing just buried me it's probably the harshest pendulum i've ever been on it has no counterweight at all yeah. once you're down the bottom you are done it was funny you mentioned that actually because i was listening to revive strongest podcast today and they said the exact same thing about the watson it's like very hard to like, knee break yeah i didn't find it too bad though like i get on quite well with it but with that being said i haven't run it for like an extended period and it is sort of in my preliminary block before I run it past the great man um, to, to actually run it properly in the next block. So we'll see how I pull up after like six or seven weeks of doing it. And, you know, maybe it'll be a different story. Yeah, because I put it in my program and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do one workout at Powerhouse every single week just to mix it up and I'll run the pendulum. God, I wanted a back supported squat. But as soon as I went over it and I ran it, I was like, it just felt so bad. Like, I, I feel like there's that squat there that's like uh, supported, like a V-squat, where you can run it like the reverse V-squat. Yeah, the machine, there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one looked really good. And to be honest, it would probably be the swap that I'd make. And then one day later, I go into Mount Gravatt and they're wheeling in one of the Jim 80 pendulum squats. So. Oh, righto. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not signing up to Powerhouse. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, Powerhouse, man, like the, the leg room is just filthy. Like, it's so, yeah. so good. But I must say, like, the more clips that I see from Brendale, I think that's probably pretty much on par, especially for upper kit. I think upper kit, mm. Brendale's probably got it covered. But, like, just having a whole leg room like that, it's pretty epic. And, you know, that back region where they've got all the proper deadlift bars, like, that's another reason mm. I'm pretty keen to sign up. Like, I want to start doing conventionals again and doing those on, like, a crappy club line bar is just not cutting the mustard just feels terrible but yeah that's enough about me right you jackie yeah not too much probably similar to yourself like shows the last two weekends it was good to head up to townsville for the my first ever time in townsville and also at the tropic show and yeah that was a really great show i think uh, scott did a an excellent job putting that on along with everyone else uh first time also sitting in the crowd i think for a for a complete full show I think like like literally on my ass for the for pretty much the whole day, which was good and good to good to see everyone. And then of course the the Brisbane show this past weekend, which was also great, but otherwise not too much. Like into the the second week of my training block this week, um, just continuing to get stronger. The same same sort of stuff really. Doing the do. What about you, DC? Um, yeah, so similar boat really. I took a deload last week, so the week between uh tropics and Queensland's, and it was a little bit of a forced deload, if anything, because it was just a very busy week organizing, you know, peak week protocols, um, assessing day to day in terms of the competitors' looks. So getting through, you know, check-in photos, just a very hands-on week. So I ended up taking a bit of a deload via reduction in my, my training frequency. So I think I got in three, three sessions, but I knew that it was going to be a very, very busy week. So I was like, you know, I'm happy to reduce my training volumes down for this week. And it's been good because the first two sessions of this week have been you know, probably some of the best sessions I've had in a, in a long stretch of time. So I was probably in need of a, of a training deload. Uh, nutrition wise, things are just nice and steady there. I haven't changed anything in relation to my cows or my macros or anything like that. I think I'm sitting at around 3,600 right now. And that's kind of holding my weight at around 96. So I'm pretty comfy at this weight. We'd sort of forecasted that I would run a, a, a mini cut very soon, but 
I'm actually quite happy being a little bit chunky, but funky. So I'm pretty happy to sort of hold my, my weight here because my lifts are all doing really well. So I'm not quite ready to give up on my performance or see that drop just for the sake of a mini cut. I'd rather just hold my weight in place and keep progressing where I'm at in terms of training. But um, yeah, we're obviously a week out or just over a week until national. So that's a really exciting time, but obviously we'll talk more about the, uh, the, the Tropic show, the Queensland show and the upcoming nationals very soon. Yeah, very nice. So a little bit's been happening with me as well. Similarly to UDC, I did take like a, a deload in between that Townsville and the Brisbane show. I think I only trained like three times there. Um, I ran over and caught Joey as well. Do some skin folds, have a catch up, do a little bit of a plan leading into the the back end of this year. Um, he had one look at me and he said, I was looking soft as fuck. So it just turns out that we're running. I, I tried to reinsure it's him. I told, it, I, I told him I spilled. It was just the high carbohydrate loading and sodium, yep. but he didn't believe me. So we will be running a mini cut. Now, the, the reason behind the mini cut is I'm going away on holidays near the end of the year for about three to four weeks. And if I leave the mini cut till after I come back on holidays, it's going to be pretty much running over Christmas. And I don't want to do that to myself. So realistically, the only place to put the mini cut would be more or less prior to going on holidays. So we decided to take it then. So then that way, once I get back Christmas, I'll be pretty much in full swing and even leading into that new year. And then we can reassess and see how everything goes then. But other than that, everything's been going quite smoothly and uh, yeah, surviving on a reduction of cows for a pro approximately four days so far. So I'm still alive. What about you, Joey? Anything new and exciting on your end? Um, not really, not really anything exciting on my end, mate, as, um, a lot of you guys probably know, I'm quite busy at the moment, um, working with all my athletes. Plus I'm also studying at the moment too, um, coming into the back end of that. And I've got a lot of travel, both work and personal related plans. So I'm trying to get that done, um, a little bit earlier. So I'm prioritizing that a little bit more. Um, but as far as training goes, like I'm generally getting in around three to four sessions per week and just working on trying to maintain my physique at the moment amidst all the chaos. Um, I usually do play basketball one to two times a week as well. And I had suffered a couple of injuries from that, which pretty much, I guess, led to me going, okay, I think I'm just going to maintain for this point instead of trying to push anything. Um, but basketball season is wrapped up for now. It doesn't start for a little bit so yeah that's what i've been up to outside of work are we going to see another show coming from you anytime soon now that basketball's all wrapped up are we gonna are we gonna put a date on it uh yeah we're definitely not gonna put a date on it um i will definitely compete again in the future it's just a matter of i guess how long between now and then that's gonna be Masters. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly He's i'm waiting for me to retire I'm about 11 years out from uh, men's physique 40 plus. So yeah, lock it into your calendars, boys. Very nice. Very nice. Are you going to the States this year, Joe? I am. I'll be there twice, actually. So I'll be going um, middle of November. I'll spend about a week over there by myself. Um, just, uh, I guess, having a bit of time to myself. Uh, I'll watch a bit of NBA. As you all know, I'm a pretty, pretty big NBA fan. Um, and then I will be attending the WNBF World Show um, where I'll have probably three or four clients competing at this point. Um, and then I will be going again 
just before Christmas to spend Christmas in New York. So we're going to have a white Christmas this year, which is very exciting. And I've got, yeah. I've got a couple, couple of trips to India planned as well. So we have, I'll be judging over at the um, ICN Mumbai show um, in the first week of November. And then also at the ICN Goa show. Um, that will be, I believe, the second week of December. So a fair bit of international travel as well as domestic travel uh, planned for the rest of the year. So lots going on. They've got some huge shows over there, don't they? They do, man. Yeah, it's um, obviously... Very exciting. It, yeah, it is. It, it, it's a little bit behind Australia, obviously. Um, they're probably where we were at maybe five or six years ago, where it's really just starting to become quite popular. Um, because a lot of people are starting to, over in India, the culture is very different. And from a young age, they're taught typically that, you know, you need PEDs to build muscle. So a lot of them by default go down that road. So ICN being over there is really working hard to try and change the culture around that. And now that more people are starting to see that it's, it's possible to do naturally and have a great physique naturally and compete at a high level naturally, we're getting more and more athletes want to participate in natural bodybuilding. Um, and the shows are, are pretty big. Like I, even I was surprised. So yeah. And, and, and the standard as well is quite impressive. It was very different. I noticed that there was a lot of male competitors and not much female competitors over there. I remember the men's fitness lineup. So it was just heaps and heaps of men's fitness, men's physique, men's bodybuilding. But then the, when you got to the female divisions, there just wasn't that many like, fitness and bikini competitors yeah i think it's just a cultural thing um yeah they're they're a little bit more old school than us um over there it's definitely male dominated in terms of the sport um but yeah like we're slowly getting more females involved in it which is really good um i think once other females see a few more females doing it and they kind of pioneer that um it'll be a lot more, I guess, rampant for them too, which is really, really exciting. But the men are all over it there, like the men's fitness and men's physique divisions specifically, just because of their genetic structures and their shape. Um, they just, yeah, they're perfect for those divisions. Speaking of shows, smooth little transition, Townsville and Brisbane, probably t two of the most biggest shows that I've seen so far. I think Townsville had 600 plus entrants. And Brisbane had, a, I think, over a thousand. Like that doesn't mean like there's that many competitors, but like that's how many entries there were into set divisions, which is absolutely yeah. astronomical. Like th those are some big numbers. Townsville, Townsville had almost two hundred individual competitors, and Brisbane had a touch under three hundred, I believe. Wow. Yeah, I, I would so even say it's of... probably like double the Townsville show that I did, nearly. Like I, I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah it, it was huge. Any of you boys, uh, who, who were some big competitors that you noticed made a stint? Well, who do, who do you want to go first here? Uh, I'll go Lawrence. I know that you weren't there, but from the camera, who do you think? Mm. Look, mate, very hard. Like, if you look across all the different categories, categories, am I right there, Jack? Categories? heard you talking on this about your pod the other day you are right though to be fair because we use them very interchangeably but mm. like for me if i had to pick my top standout it's very hard to go past montana like i mean leading in like she was looking amazing 
But I think she was also peaked extremely well because the final package was just ridiculous. Um, and I'm sure you guys got an even, you know, better understanding being there in person. But I thought that, you know, she looked pretty much exactly what that division is about. So I thought she was very impressive. I thought there was, looked like the, the numbers for the men's bodybuilding was very strong. Obviously, a big congrats to Caden, who looked fantastic. Um, my old nemesis. Um, <laughs> no, he looked really good. And um, also, shout out to Taylor Robertson. Like, me and mm. Taylor, actually, we go back a bit. So, uh, you know, when I was probably late-ish high school years, um, me and Taylor actually lived around the corner from each other, and we used to play basketball down at our local court. And he was a big boy, so he would body me in the paint and, and just pretty much kill me. Um, but no, super nice guy. And I was actually, you know, like, I couldn't believe like, you know, these, these two little kids that grew up on the same street, both end up in a sport like natural bodybuilding is pretty cool. And I thought that his conditioning was great. I think that his overall presentation and package looked really good. And, um, yeah, big, big props to him because he, he did extremely well, especially for his first outing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was going to say Taylor as well. Um, I was, I was very impressed for starters, but then I was even more impressed when I heard how how young he is. Um, First time he, competitor as well, I think. Yeah, he's got he's got a ton of potential. Obviously, like any young competitor, there's plenty of things for him to to go away and work on. But I mean, to to push someone like Caden, uh, who's who, in my opinion, is quite a quite a quite a good bodybuilder. Um, at that age and at your first show is just super impressive. So I really hope uh, Taylor sticks with it and goes into the off season, has a productive off season and, and brings an even better package next time because yeah, he's only just getting started. Another young one was that Thomas Springgate as well. A client mm. of pigs, yeah. extremely impressive yeah. and conditioned competitor. He, he gave me like Lawrence vibes, like somewhat tall, Great quads. huge quads. Yeah. Yeah. Very well put he together. Had massive, like overwhelming ears as well. <laughs> no, I think I think he had him covered on the width, sort of like that. All right, all right. <laughs> I was going to mention Taylor and Tommy as well. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Tommy ended up taking away the classic uh, at um, ICN Tropics, which he was. Yeah, a, I, I thought he had a great classic physique and. Um, I don't think anyone one was surprised by Nick uh, taking away the classic at the the um, at the Brisbane Brisbane show. Mm. How good was that other men's physique competitor though? The one that he had to go head to head with in pretty much the gold class. <laughs> that guy was extremely impressive. For reference, it was no one. Oh no, no, the men's physique, the the gold class in Brisbane. Yeah, so in the. In the gold class, it was only him. Oh, no, 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 because the gold class has to verse the overall winner. So when they got oh, on stage, right. it, yes. it was, yes. yeah, it was the Musashi, I believe his name yeah. was. He, yes, if you're referring to him, yeah, Musashi, he, he was very good. Um, yeah. His shape and his conditioning, like his abdominals, like when God got to him, he like really took his time. <laughs> yeah. That is just like a genetic structure of the gods. That was probably one of the most dense chests I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. I think from the side shots, probably at about five centimeters of width. It was insane. Must Did Michael honest. not do that show, DC? No, so not Michael's only doing nationals. So he didn't do didn't do Queensland's 
as well. I think he's just holding out to nationals. Yeah, because he was a little bit up in the air about it. I remember he was running it past me, like if he should or if he was just going to gun straight for uh, nationals. Are you still prepping him mm. for this next one or is he going so on? So Michael, Michael, for the most part, has has prepped himself right up until the very end. And I've mostly done his show day, show day planning. So, you know, being backstage with him, show day planning in relation to like helping with his protocol, et cetera. But Michael, he's always been someone who's done majority of his prep himself. And I'm just like the cherry on top really in terms of the, you know, peaking, peaking in per se. But, um, and even in relation to peaking, I'm talking like chatting back and forth, sending me through photos, assessing where he's at. But um, basically, like a guidance, like a second second set of eyes. So, um, yeah, Michael's pretty pretty incredible how he, he preps himself for the most part. But um, I actually wanted to bring up Nikki. So Nikki Simpson, who mm, obviously competed in, um, in the women's women's figure, she looked incredible. Like having having seen her photos in the Tropic show, and then obviously seeing her in person at the the Queensland show. Yeah, she was a, a clear standout. Like that that rear. Uh, the glute, glute, glute shot, like it's just striated glutes on a female is like pretty, pretty cool to see. So yeah, super impressive physique. Very dense. Do you know how much he weighs, Jack? Uh, I don't want to say an incorrect number. So uh, I think, like, I think maybe mid fifties. Yeah. I, I believe she's 54 kilos. Mm, that was the number in my head. Yeah. yeah. Damn. That is a shredded, dense physique. Extremely and like we said about the like the last podcast we did how we talked about you know which is the hardest category to to compete in and how you know women tend to sit in in higher body fat percentages in their off season in terms of a healthy range comparative to men but getting down to extremely low levels of body fat it's almost similar similar percentages right so to see a female like that is just very impressive mm. yeah. when you understand the work that has to go in or the work that is required to do that for someone i guess like significantly smaller than a typical male bodybuilder um it makes it that much more impressive mm, yeah absolutely isn't she like a mom as well yeah mm -hmm. that's wild mom of three i believe yeah that's crazy so, you know running a household in conjunction with getting absolutely peeled yeah, yeah. must be challenging shredded. love that even elaine fox was really really shredded as well one of the uh listeners on our podcast gave her a very good run for her money as well they were all quite impressive, actually. Like the, the figure lineup was very impressive. Mm, it was was of quite a high standard. Mm. I think the, the we put up a poll as well for like the, I think we got two responses about the potential pros and one was Caden, the other one was Veronica, as which I think are both very viable competitors for a pro card at Nationals. Are there mm. any out-of-state Queensland that you've seen? I know, Jackie, I think you linked one in the group chat. There was a... From I think it was New South Wales, a bodybuilder, mm. extremely jacked. Yes, coached by Aaron Curtis. I know he listens to the podcast as well. Yeah, I actually remember watching him compete back in 2019, I believe, because um, I watched that show down in in Sydney, and I remember thinking, "Man, he looks amazing!" Like he was definitely a standout on that stage. So, been keeping in touch touch with him, you know, message back and forth every now and then. But he was, he's going to be like he's an awesome competitor. He looks amazing. So, mm. it'd be really awesome to see him up on that stage at, at nationals for sure. A lot, a lot of the other state shows also just haven't gone ahead yet. Like I know the New South Wales state show is this weekend. 
Western Australia is also this weekend and they, Western Australia, I don't know what they're putting in the water over there, but they have some fantastic competitors every single year. They always seem to do well. Um, and Tasmania as well. Um, they're going ahead this week too. So it'll be interesting to see, see any physiques there that, that could potentially be in contention for a pro card too, but yeah. That's crazy. Three three of the same shows pretty much on the same weekend leading into nationals. Normally doesn't happen. Normally they scatter them out like a week week apart and then they normally have nationals a couple of weeks later. Yeah, I guess they're just um, trying to condense them all a little bit more because the amount of, the sheer amount of like shows and federations that are, that are happening at the moment. Yeah, very nice. Mm. Well, we might jump into some of the uh, question and answers. Uh, we did have a very large amount of Q&A questions this week. So I'm sorry if you uh, aren't going to get your questions answered, but I'm going to try to run through a bunch of the uh, top quality ones and the others will be used for future weeks. First question I'm going to throw over to jo Joey. Why do bodybuilders prioritize a high carbohydrate diet? Yeah, cool. Um, anyone's also welcome to just jump in on this point as well. Um, yeah, go nuts. But... I would say it, may, it makes a lot of sense for a bodybuilder to prioritize a carbohydrate because of pretty much all of your training demands, right? Like, you know, we all lift weights um, predominantly in the 6 to 20 rep range, I would say for the most part. So it's primarily glycolytic activity, meaning we rely heavily on glycogen and carbohydrates fuel that. And even when dieting, I would say like carbohydrates, obviously more sparing than fat, uh, more protein sparing than fats as well. Um, I will also say like carbohydrates, just typically, I guess, more of the tastier foods are carbohydrate based. And you, you, one could argue that it's easier to get, I guess, more calories, say your calorie intake has to go super high from dietary fats. But I know for a lot of people, a very, very high dietary fat intake will leave them feeling a little bit, bit sluggish and maybe their training won't be as ideal. Like I see a lot of bodybuilders that will go as high as, you know, six to 700 grams of carbohydrates before they even consider bringing their fat intake up above one gram per kilo. Um, I'm not sure what your guys' thoughts are on that. Um, I know, Jack, you typically get your calories very high. Um, I do that, yeah. I, I, yeah. My, my fats are 80, my carbs are 650, so... Yeah, well, there you go. And you'd be what, like 80 to 90 kilos? Mm, 90 kilos, range. yeah. Exactly, there you go. So um, yeah, I just, I, I guess it just makes a lot more sense for a bodybuilder to have a higher carbohydrate diet purely just from the training demands. Um, yeah, that's that's what I would say. I guess you could even say carbohydrates might be somewhat more satiating as well Absolutely. in relation to you know adding adding quick fats to one's nutrition which as a bodybuilder trying to manage the, you know, the challenges of hunger within a contest prep might be more, you know, beneficial. But then I also think as well, um, in terms of like show day nutrition, carbohydrates is really what's going to add overall, you know, volume to your muscle tissue on the, on, on a show day. So it makes sense to utilize higher carbohydrates within your, um, your diet as a means yeah. of providing greater fuel specificity. And then also, you know, improving your, your show day look too. Yeah, but I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to eat a high volume of food when you're predominantly eating fats, right? Like, mm. what are you just going to eat? Like eight tablespoons of peanut butter? Like, you're probably still going to be hungry after. Fried <laughs> mm. chicken. I mean, yeah, I mean, that KFC, it, baby. Yeah. Just, 
just eat to 10 <laughs> avocados and shoot your fiber up as yeah. high, high as Jack. <laughs> you guys are sitting here talking about, you know, you don't know how you can get your fats up that high. I'm telling you, there's a secret. And Lee Priest found it. It's oh, in the KFC bucket. It's in the KFC bucket, baby. Well, Dan, when you came to check in um, last Tuesday, it looked like you'd found that secret. Yeah, there was actually <laughs> two of the buckets still in the car. Yeah, I knew, I knew something was up. You were looking a touch, uh, touch soft, softer than your usual self, mate. It was either that or I had like the baby oil on me. You know, it was just the, the KFC. Oh, yeah. The after KFC glow. Quads. Yeah. <laughs> God every every it. time every time I go into uh, get a check in with Joe, I'm like, sorry, man, I just moisturize my legs. Really, it was the KFC bucket, the pre workout bucket. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. All that sodium causing you to sweat. It's like when you guys walked up to each other and you you shook hands. Hey, what's up, man? You like slap his hand. It's just covered in like oil, <laughs> greasy oil from the from from, from the chicken. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Oh, delicious, delicious. <laughs> on that, on, in that comp day bag, you know, I'm sitting there with a Zinger burger ra- quickly in like a little alfoil wrapper ready to roll. Hey, thing is, you never know when you're going to need it. And you, you guys know how busy comp day can get as a coach. You need accessible calories, right? What's easier than a Zinger burger? You can eat Quality that meal prep right there. That's probably one way to piss off 100 competitors. Just sit backstage with a, with a bucket of chicken. <laughs> yeah you'll uh, be public enemy number one for sure yeah, yeah, out, of, yeah. out of your bag chicken drumstick comes out they're just sitting there what the hell yeah right i want to throw this next question over to lawrence why because he actually told me to not rely on them uh anti-inflammatories uh and affecting your gains now i remember when it, it i'll let you go on with it lawrence i remember when i did come into it i you know i was like saying like when i do take them like I noticed my pain was a lot less, but then you told me not to rely on them. And I know there has been some studies on it. So I'll throw it over to you. You can give the little. Yeah. So I suppose like the, the field of research on NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs is quite similar to the research that's been done on like ice therapy or, or cold water immersion. So basically we've got, the signaling or the cell signaling that takes place, which is basically like after weight training, what's going to tell the body that these muscles need to grow and inflammation is part of that process. So I suppose when we think about it on a mechanistic level, like if we are doing something that is going to reduce inflammation, then there is some evidence to show that we may be interfering with that signaling process. But I suppose it's important to remember that whether it's the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, which, you know, for most people would be like a, a neurofin, for example. And, you know, when you talk about the icing as well, a lot of the research is done when this is done on like a chronic time frame. So if it's a one-off and you've got a raging headache for some reason, and you've just trained legs, like it's not going to be the end of the world if you just want to take something to take the edge off if you're doing it once in a blue moon. However, I think, you know, where this idea comes from is if you watch some of like the old West Side barbell videos where they're just like chomping down, you know, paracetamol and ibuprofen in order to get through their sessions because they're all walking around with like tons of injuries. If you do that over a chronic time frame and you're trying to grow muscle, that's probably not going to be the best thing because the signaling that needs to take place requires a certain level of inflammation and you're then removing that as well. But I suppose like on what I would have said to you as well, DY, like when I'm speaking to patients about 
you know, pain relief and things like that. Obviously as a physio, my pharmacology training is essentially zero. So I don't have much of a scope to make any specific recommendations, but what we tend to say, and what we can say is like, you know, if pain is just simply not tolerable or if it's impacting your sleep or your work, that's when I'll generally tell people, okay, not a bad idea to get some of these simple analgesics on board to take the edge off. However, it is also important that like, if we've just got a little bit of pain, we don't always just want to immediately grab the drugs and, and say, okay, just get out of there. Because especially when people have like chronic pain, for example, there's something to be said for learning to tolerate it. Because at the end of the day, that's kind of what pain is. It's a signal to the brain or well, more so from the brain that's saying, okay, we think something is dangerous in this environment towards us. And if we just continually try to suppress that, our brain is, is then going to go a little bit haywire with its signals as well. So I try to tell people not to rely on them all the time, but if it meets those three criteria, that's when we can consider deploying some of those analgesics just to make it a little bit more tolerable. Nicely said. Yeah. I think um, I had something to add to that actually in terms of like dosage also being, being the poison. So I remember reviewing some literature on this and um, cause I had a client or an athlete ask me a question about this cause they were managing an injury. And from my understanding, like low, low dosage, let's say ibuprofen, uh, let's say 400 milligrams a day, doesn't seem to provide much inhibition of um, a muscle protein synthesis. However, like larger dosages, let's say 1,200 milligrams taken daily seems to have more an effect in terms of its inhibition of, of, uh, of you know, inflammation, which is an integral component of, of dealing with, you know, muscle damage, which we look at that kind of trifecta of different mechanisms of hypertrophy. You've got, you know, mechanical tension, metabolic stress and, um, and muscle damage, which is really the, the proliferation of, um, of uh, satellite cells and, you know, IGF-1 release and all that sort of stuff. So... I think it's like dosage is the poison, but I would actually say as well is like, if you're of ample body fat and of ample health in the off season, perhaps taking, you know, a higher dosage of, um, of NSAID wouldn't be as detrimental as perhaps if you were like within a comp prep, 4%, 3% body fat, where your, your means or sensitivity towards like the, the anabolic stimulus of training is, is far less as well that may even have a further impact in terms of, you know, the dosage requires for it to have an inhibitory effect on you. So, you know, I'm not aware of any research when it comes to um, NSAID consumption where it's done in bodybuilders that are like 3% body fat. It's always done in people who are, you know, ample body fat percentages. So you could, you could somewhat hypothesize that even the dosage requirement for it to be inhibitory is, is less in a bodybuilder in a comp prep. Yeah, I, I was pretty much going to say exactly that. Like the devil is in the dosage. Um, interesting you brought up the 1200 milligrams. I'm pretty sure they used that in a study. Um, I believe it was in 2018. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they, they used 1200 milligrams. Um, and yeah, basically proved that, yes, in dosages that are quite high, such as 1200 milligrams, they may not be ideal for muscle hypertrophy. Um, but the study was in untrained individuals. Mm, exactly right. And you think like, like one ibuprofen tablet is like, what, two, 200 milligrams? You take two of those yeah. as a recommended dose, that's 400 milligrams. That's probably okay. But if you take like four, four dosages of those or three dosages of those in mm -hmm. a day, and you multiple days in a row, then that probably has an effect on terms of 
you know, muscular hypertrophy. But again, it might be different for comp prep competitors that are less body fat. So I guess it's the same as anything, right? The devil is always in the dosage, you know, like, like, like DY was saying before, you know, enough Zinger burgers, that's, that's definitely going to tip you over the edge too much of a good thing. Right. I was actually going to argue that there is never enough Zinger burgers that are allowed in the diet. I think the high is Hakem. They're just more like Lee Priest, your look. Yeah, Probably well, the most um, anabolic food. What do you reckon? How you 100%. were looking last Tuesday um, provides a good argument against that. But I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I won't go any further than that. What was I getting shorter or rounder like Lee? Like, <laughs> you're going back the other way mate sorry to tell you very nice i think these boys covered it quite well i was pretty much going to say like with the studies the studies are also done quite extreme like what dc was saying it's like you know you're nearly taking like seven panadols or whatever it might be a day which is obviously quite extreme for multiple days on end which i don't think for any of us here we probably do that like you know if i have a headache myself out of a leg day i might take one or two and then i probably won't take them for another two months so if you're taking them as a one-off i don't ever see them really being an issue at all there are also other uh, pain relievers which aren't anti-inflammatory either, which you can take. I don't believe Panadol is a anti-inflammatory. I think it's no, just a pain. It's not a, no, it's not an NSAID, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. All right, Joe, I want to I ask you this one as well. I'm going to ask all the boys, would you ever let your girl prep you? When, you, when you're doing a show, would you, would you ever let Lisa prep you? Um, the, the problem is I've been prepping her for I believe the last six years, five or six years. So she, if she was to prep me, she'd probably go really hard on me to like get me back for all the times I cut her calories and whatnot. Um, but as far as, as far as a knowledge base goes, I mean, probably not yet. Um, she has a very, very good understanding of nutrition and training, but she obviously needs more experience in that area. But in terms of how like, I guess, firm and hard she would be on someone, and ensure that they were going to get on stage uh, looking really good. I would trust her in that context. Like I could, I could ask her and get an honest response. Hey, do I look good? And she'd be like, no, you look like shit. And you know, she wouldn't have a problem saying that to me. So I'm going to say right now, no, but in the future, Hey, maybe she could prep me. Who knows? Just turns out that she was the one that submitted that question as well. So I've just given her a message and let her know. <laughs> uh, oh, great. I'm in the, I'm in the doghouse. Tonight. You're in the doghouse, man. Awesome. You may as well set your, set your bed up on the lounge room. That's, That's pretty right, standard to be fair. I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable in there. It's all good. What about you, Lawrence? Your, your partner is, I believe, dietitian, is it? She is a dietitian in, in training, yes. So yeah. Gemma's about, oh, probably just about under a year out from graduating. Same program that Jack and Tierra did. So obviously she would have the expertise in, you know, manipulating caloric intake to, to get me to lose body fat. But, you know, how applicable her knowledge base would be to like a bodybuilding context, that's probably where the, you know, where it would come down to it a little bit and you know obviously she's never peaked anyone or something like that so obviously she would be able to have the skill set to do that to a certain extent but probably similar to what joe said it's more the experience within the contest prep environment that she would lack um so yeah probably a no for me i'm, I'm pretty happy with joey at this point but 
yeah, who knows? If I can get a better get a better price with her in the future, then uh, <laughs> never know. <laughs> well, what about if Joey was out of the equation and it was either you or her? Ooh. You really, solo prep yeah. yourself or maybe she takes care of the diet and you do your own training, but, or would you rather take care of the diet yourself? I think if it was, the, that was the only choice, maybe like a collaboration potentially. No collaborations. Um, I, I maybe would have a crack on my own. There but, we go. The yeah. answer's in. Just, just purely out of the fact that like, you know, I've, I've done this before. Like I could probably get a decent amount the way there on my own and then you know call joe in for the last 10 <laughs> weeks or whatever it's it's a lot of it is like i just don't want to have to worry about it like i don't want yeah. to worry about the nutrition side i like nerding out with the training side so i'm happy to be thinking about that stuff more but when it comes to the food i'm just kind of like just give me my marching orders and i'll do it but um to be fair like Gemma obviously knows like like I know a decent amount, but obviously Gemma knows a few more of the ins and outs. So I'm sure there's a lot of stuff she could suggest that would benefit me. Yeah, very nice. I love how everyone's like beating around the bush with like the answer, like trying to like tread very lightly. Oh, like, yeah, I, I would, but just, you know, no, I'm just mucking around. <laughs> what about you, Jack? Yeah, I think I would, I would trust here to an extent. I think it would probably have to be more collaborative in nature. I think Tierra would probably push me probably harder than I would need to be pushed in my opinion. Um, but I mean, she, she, she's had tremendous success this, this season with the bigger competitors. So see, I guess it's the opposite category to bodybuilding or in, just in terms of gender. So I'm sure that uh, she would do a, a decent job with me. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. What about you DC? Yeah, easily. I would, I would definitely let Nicole, Nicole prep me. Um, we're, we're pretty collaborative on most things anyway. So I, I've been, you know, coaching her for the most part, but it's, I wouldn't even label it as me coaching her. She's been making informed decisions in regards to her own, her own you know, off season. She's, she's run contest preps with athletes before we talk about so much stuff to do with training, nutrition, science, you know, physiology, et cetera. That I'm more than more than confident that she could prep me absolutely. Even if I had no input in it, to be honest, I think she'd be very great at, at prepping me. You're not skating out of this DUI. Uh, uh, now nah, I'm actually probably somewhat similar to DC. Like a lot of the clients that either Alana has or I have, like we always have like little discussions about it. Like you know, or like if, if a problem comes up within, let's say, a prep, we always have a have a chat about it. Now, in terms of Alana running my prep. I would let her do the nutrition side, but as a female only coach, I feel like I would have to run my training side of it because if she's never ever programmed for a guy, I feel like probably my prep's not going to be the the test run of the uh, of the preps that she'll be doing. So in aspect, I would let her do the nutrition, but in terms of training, I would have to probably take the reins on that. It's two so no's and three yeses. Yeah. So no, I didn't skate out of the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> computers confiscated next week. Lawrence, I won't see you on the potty. Yeah, but wait. So is it me and Joe in the doghouse? Yeah, yeah. You were the only though? two together. I, I think we could, like, if we're in there together. Yeah, I'm not that's fine. Too concerned. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. Some say Lawrence is actually happier. Look at the grin <laughs> on his face. Look, mate. You know. With with Gemma being away for Warwick for the last five weeks, I'm I'll spoon just about anything at this point. 
Hey, hey, so hey, that's hey. what happened settle on those boy the camps. <laughs> that's what happened on the boys camp. He oh, was gonna be lonely. I need to keep my blue card, mate. Let's have another <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Next one. Should prep coaches be judges? I'm actually gonna be throwing this over to Joey because he is exactly that. So what's your take on it? Should they? Okay, so I think we need to look at it in two different contexts. Um, should contest prep uh, coaches be judges at a show or should contest prep judges be... I uh, say so contest prep coaches should be judges or contest prep coaches should be judges judging their own clients. I think there is two separate sides of the ball there. Do I think contest prep coaches should judge their own clients? No. Do I think contest prep coaches should be judges in general? Yeah, sure. Some of the best judges or some of the best, yeah, some of the best judges would be coaches. Um, coaches tend to have a very, very good knowledge on bodybuilding. That's what we do for a living, right? We research the criteria. We research, I guess, what our clients need to look like. So it would make sense that most uh, successful bodybuilding coaches or contest prep coaches would make very, very good judges. Now, when it comes to coaches judging their clients, um, I don't think that's acceptable. Um, I think that presents a potential risk of bias. Even if you're able to sit there and think you're being unbiased, if the other judges know that you have a client in this show with you, um, maybe that, that presents also a risk for bias on their end as well. Um, I have judged shows in the past that my clients competed in, but I refused. I won one, refused to have input, and two, I did not disclose which of my clients were competing. Um, I simply just pulled my chair back and sat back and watched. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think in one context, yes, it's acceptable, and I think in another context, no. I've been at shows where um, coaches have judged their own clients, and you could tell that there was some bias, and there was obviously a lot of um, I guess a lot of unhappy people about it. Um, but for me, I don't even want to judge my clients anyway, because I think I'd probably be harder on them um, because I'd be that scared of looking biased. Um, so the answer is yes and no, but it just depends on the context. Does that coach have a client in the show? Um, and if they do, are they going to actively judge that division or are they going to sit back? I personally believe anyone who has some sort of, I guess, conflict, direct conflict with a competitor and they're a judge should step off the panel. For example, if you're opposing coach or if, one, if, if you're a judge and your partner is competing, you should sit off the panel or one of your best mates. Um, you know, if, if I was judging a show and let's assume that Lawrence wasn't my client, but obviously he's a good mate of mine, I still wouldn't judge it because I wouldn't feel comfortable in taking that risk. Um, obviously we all love bodybuilding and we want to make sure we look after it. We want to make sure we take care of it. So you don't want to ruin, uh, I guess the integrity of it. So yeah, I think yes and no, depending on the context. Um, I'm interested to hear what you guys think, but that's, that's my take and it's, it's always been my take. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, I I agree. I think it only makes sense for some coaches to be judges, and I think some coaches would be great judges because, as you said, like it's our it's our profession. It's what we do day to day. Um, it only makes sense to me. I I would love to judge a show one day for sure, and as long as of course uh, you don't have any biases or you don't have any competitors up there, I think that's even if you are completely unbiased, it's still a recipe for disaster because there's always going to be unhappy people and people are going to link the two together. I think the majority of the judges nearly were previously either competitors, coaches, or it could be the other way around. A lot of the judges then end up going into coaching because they love it. They have an eye for it as well. But for me, I would have to go the opposite way. Like if my, if my client's on stage, I've got to be judging them. Like you got to give them brownie points on the other way around. <laughs> that was a joke, obviously. And that's why I'd never be judged, but you know, <laughs> always try and think of my clients probably better than they are. So it's, I guess a bad thing sometimes. All, <laughs> I think we all naturally do that though. We all want to believe that our clients, you know, are the best, right? Mm. No way my client loses this. What the hell? Shit. Judging. Put me on that panel. Put me on that panel. <laughs> No, very nice. Um, I've got one last question here, and this one Joey's going to answer as well. And this one's going to be an interesting one. Out of Lawrence, DC, and Jack, who would be the best men's fitness competitor? And I want to know your reasoning behind it as well. Ooh, this is tough. Um, Jeez. You know know that we won't ever do men's fitness either, so, like, you're not going to harm any of our I know, but I want to make sure I get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just relating back to the last question, you know, like I judge and I make sure I get it right every time. So, yeah. Um, but, but even all these little 1% carry over, Jack, like, you know, if you're better men's fitness competitor, it's probably going to cl- carry over the classic physique as well. So it's going to be in the mental either way, whatever way Jack, Joey picks here. Well, for starters, like not to sound weird, but you're all, you're all pretty handsome guys. So I think you would all make great men's fitness models. Um, I think the one that I can see having the most men's fitness, I guess, flair to him is probably DC. <laughs> like he's got, he's got, he's got the nice fade, you know. Thank like, you. Yeah, fresh cut, fresh cut. Hey, That's clearly, I've what got me you, it. I've seen you pose up on that stage, man. You, you are smooth as hell. Mm, like, thanks, man. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I think if like someone put a gun to my head, I'd pick. But that's not to say that Lawrence and Jack, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't do a good job at it. Would that actually... be a finger gun? Like the men's finger gun? One of these up to your head? Yep. That's it. The old DY finger gun. Look, smack Lawrence. Lawrence, you might get clacked, you know? This you gotta, you have to watch yourself, boy. <laughs> yeah. You have to watch yourself. DY keeps that thang on him at all times in the coat <laughs> pocket. It was actually funny you said that because I actually thought out of all of them, probably DC as well. <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah, i have uh, an announcement to make boys yeah, i'm yeah. spending the next two years atro- atrophying yeah so, uh, well, de-sizing uh, and bringing it in i mean not that i'm biased or anything but i i would have thought you would have um like as a judge dc is like probably has more muscle than both lawrence and i and that would have deterred from the men's fitness uh, yeah but I, mean, it's... I, I did take that into account but i mean the His other player is just that amazing also... that it trumps trumps everything <laughs> the other two of you are also way outside the criteria too so i think it when i judge if you've got three people who are outside of the criteria and it's a three-person show you basically push the criteria aside mm. <laughs> um, especially when it's that far outside the criteria you all have huge quads 
you all have shredded glutes. So I'm just going with the one who has the most potential to be uh, a little bit more flamboyant. And I feel like DC could pull that off the best out of his <laughs> right, well, thing. Hey, next time, I, mean next time I can in be. a complimentary way. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, come in for a posing session. I'll, I'll get you jazzing it up for fitness perfectly. <laughs> let's, let's do it. I'll let B know. Man, B will body, be like, man, screw bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah B will be like, start. fucking what? <laughs> Brandon, Brandon would probably actually try and bash me at the next show. Yeah. One of my star pupils going backwards. He's done. I really wonder if those one size fits all trunks, though, will really one size fits all DC. Oh, man. But don't even get me started on them. Not in the back. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not with, not with the dump truck. That's for damn sure. It's too much no, cake back there. You guys are lucky now, Dan. Like, when I first, like when I competed, because in my first year, I didn't do men's fitness. And then in the second year, I was like, you know what? I'll give it a go. And back then, the shorts were basically like Lycra. Now they're like Ooh. briefs. So, uh, yeah, they, it didn't leave a lot to the imagination. And it was <laughs> So you're saying this is a bad thing? It's extremely tough to um, get into. Maybe for me to get out of as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt good once I was out of it, though. God damn it. They were petitioned yeah. to bring him back. Joe, I have they... to, on that note, Joe, I have a question for you. What do you think about the... Do you think they should be, like, standardizing the classic physique trunks more? Or do you think the classic... Do you think, like, the men's fitness-style classic trunks are the go or, or something smaller, do you think? I think I would like to see something a little bit smaller, like maybe like the old school bodybuilder trunks that cover the majority of the glutes, um, but are still kind of like basically trunks. Um, you know, think back to when, you know, Arnie and all those guys competed, they had trunks, but the trunks basically covered the glutes entirely. Mm -hmm. um, as well as like with a classic physique competitor, a lot of what makes them classic is like how the top of their quads insert and roll, I guess, like into their hips mm. and then into like the abdominals and obliques. Right. So it makes sense. I think it would make sense to be able to see the lines in the hips. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think they should go down that route. I guess it would be hard to standardize though, if you're using trunks because with classic physique, you might have guys who are typically quite short or you might have some tall guys. Um, the thing with classic is there's so much um, room to change your physique with posing. So you're going to get a lot of guys of completely different builds. So it would be hard to standardize, but I would really like to see some variation of the old school classic um, bodybuilding trunks be introduced. Mm. One quick question on the, sh on the shows. Did you notice that the muscle model got benched? The it men, did. The men's. I, know, I noticed that there wasn't, well, unless I missed it, muscle model got pushed aside for women's wellness yeah hey, here you go dc you could do muscle model you probably fit muscle model there you go <laughs> which is that the one where i wear the jeans <laughs> no 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 oh damn it i think wear. They, they basically wear men's fitness shorts but it's like we're looking for a massive muscular men's fitness model yeah okay gotcha yeah, it's like halfway men's, between bodybuilding and like men's fitness. It's just that men's fitness awkward in between. Jacked. Mm. Mm, nice. You told I was me hoping they wanted to do like a men's men's angels. What do you reckon? 
yeah. Well, if you ever miss the miss the mark, DC, you can just go into muscle model. I think you'd fit right in. There you go, hundred percent. By just miss- dialing in, I'm like, fuck it, my glutes aren't peeled enough. I've got to pull back the, the categories. Well, now you can't. Now they're taking it away. You're in a you're in a hard spot. That's it, mate. You have to stick with bodybuilding. All right, all right. Don't you don't have to pull my leg about it. It's all good. <laughs> you know, you know what? I reckon, uh, Jack. I think you would look great in board shorts. I think you could definitely do men's physique. Mm. I would actually think that too. I think his physique's got that like men's physique flow. I guess yeah. genetics. I really think I, I've always thought my my lower body has, I guess, got more bubbliness to it than my upper in terms of it that. Do, it, yeah, I mean, if you look at it on a relative relative scale, sure, but that doesn't mean your upper body isn't mm. isn't impressive. It Don't just need means to worry your lower about the body is stupidly impressive. Yeah, we just cover them in board shorts. You get shit lower, <laughs> fuck it, we cover them up. Exactly. Good, good. Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. They, they're getting covered up. What you need to worry exactly. about is that upper body. That being said, don't you think like some of the most impressive physique competitors I've probably seen, I mean, this is more referring to maybe the, the IFBB, but some of them have really large legs and like it oh, actually yeah. looks really good when you've got the, the tapering of the board shorts, you know, wrapping around the, the lateralis in terms of the quadriceps. So, you know, I still think having some really awesome legs in men's physique is, is good. Mm. Yeah. It's actually think- interesting you mentioned that because when we judge it, um, or when I've judged it in the past, um, we look at that, how the board shorts, I guess, appear on you and how they fit around your thighs and how long they are matter. You know, mm. like if you have extremely baggy board shorts going down, like halfway down your shins, it's not really going to be a nice look. Um, and also I think it just makes sense to still train the shit out of your legs as a physique competitor anyway, even if you can't see them, you know, more lean body mass, better metabolic rate probably makes it easier to diet so more testosterone yes there you go as a judge do you judge the calves on the men's physique competitors because as a future men's physique competitor i've got to know do i bench them and put more arm volume in or do i keep them in well for starters it's not going to matter because you don't have much going on there anyway (laughs) don't need to tell me um no secondly we, we we will if it's extremely close because obviously that's the furthest muscle group away from what you're judging but if it was literally a dead heat we'd probably have to go that far down and go like okay this is so close that maybe we just have to pick who has the better calves because it is on show um but it's certainly not the first thing we're looking at which you don't want you don't want gigantic calves either because like that's disproportionate Mm. yes I think every muscle group feeds into your overall symmetry, right? So you I agree. Kind of just look at the silhouette of someone <clears throat> on stage and you can sort of just pick that nice X frame to the legs, to the calves. Like I feel like as, as, as our critical eye, we sometimes hone in on the things that are asymmetrical, like, oh, that person's mm-hmm. missing this or they're missing that. And I think as a fitness competitor, even though the, the emphasis is not having giant legs or, you know, giant calves or anything like that. Certainly if you're lacking in them, it's probably going to create that asymmetry that someone will assess um, in not a, not a beneficial beneficial way when it comes to your criteria. Absolutely. Very nice. I think we're going to wrap that up here, listeners. Thank you everyone for tuning in and dropping your questions. If you haven't already, go over and drop us a five-star review. Other than that, have an amazing week and we'll catch you next week.